Hello again, everybody. This is uh, Jason Powers. So we're going to start off this broadcast with a montage of uh, different clips from uh, some movies that I think are relevant to the conversation I'm going to have tonight. So I hope you'll enjoy the the montage. It's about 15 minutes long, and uh, I think there's some good uh, content involved in uh, the clips I uh, capture. So without further ado, we'll start with the opening music, and then we'll go from there. I used to uh, I used to read all about Edison and the Wright brothers, Mr. Ford. They were they were my heroes. Rags to riches. That's not just the name of a book. That's what this country was all about. We invented the free enterprise system, where anybody, no matter who he was, where he came from, what class he belonged to, if he came up with a better idea about anything. There's no limit to how far he could go. I grew up a generation too late, I guess, because now the way the system works, the, the loner, the dreamer, the crackpot who comes up with some crazy idea that everybody laughs at, that later turns out to revolutionize the world, he's squashed from above before he even gets his head out of the water because the bureaucrats, they'd rather kill a new idea than let it rock the boat. If Benjamin Franklin were alive today, he'd be thrown in jail for sailing a kite without a license. It's true. We're all puffed up with ourselves now because we invented the bomb. Dropped the... Beat the daylights out of the Japanese, the Nazis. But if big business closes the door on the little guy with a new idea, we're not only closing the door on progress, but we're sabotaging everything that we fought for. Everything that the country stands for. And one day we're going to find ourselves at the bottom of the heap instead of king of the hill, having no idea how we got there, 
buying our radios and our cars from our former enemies. <laughs> I don't believe that's going to happen. I can't believe it because if I ever stop believing in the plain old common horse sense of the American people, there'd be no way I could get out of bed in the morning. You must find Philadelphia much changed. More changed than I could have imagined, Mr. Hamilton. Not the city itself. All cities swallow everything in their weight. That's no surprise to me. That's why I abhor them. But I've been, as you know, in revolutionary France, where the streets are filled with the songs of liberty and brotherhood and the overthrow of ancient tyrannies of Europe. And to return from there to this our cradle of revolution and find the dinner table chatter is all of money and banks and authority is an unwelcome surprise. Unwelcome, perhaps, but necessary. I must admit, Mr. Hamilton, I uh, a little uncertain as to the purpose of the Treasury Department. <laughs> no doubt its function will reveal itself to me in good time. The future prosperity of this nation rests chiefly in trade. Trade depends, among other things, on the willingness of other nations to lend us money. And how would you propose to establish international credit? Our first step would be to incur a national debt. The greater the debt, the greater the credit. And to that end, I have recommended to the President that Congress adopt all the debts incurred by the individual states during the war through a national bank. The idea being that if the states owe Congress money, then other nations will feel more inclined to lend it to us. If the states are indebted to a central authority, it increases the power of the central government. You have it exactly. The greater the government's responsibility, the greater its authority. Mm. The moneyed interest in this country is all in the north, so the wealth and power would inevitably be concentrated there in the federal government, to the expense of the south. If that is the case, it is unavoidable if the union is to be preserved. I fear our revolution will have been in vain if a Virginia farmer is to be held in hock to a New York stock jobber, who in turn is in hock to a London banker. The opportunities for uh, avarice and corruption would certainly prove irresistible. Well, there you have it, as I have heard said. If men were angels, then no government would be necessary. <laughs> well, sadly, that is very well said. Uh, but there can be no question. Our nation cannot bind together without powerful central government. But we must also accommodate the needs of our constituent states, both North and South. The power of one must check and balance the other. And to that end, we must dedicate all of our energies and our care. I would like to welcome Mr. Jefferson home. Our first order of business. And our last, if we vote a levy. Yeah. Order. Order. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
not have the floor. Our first order of business will be an address by Colonel Harry Burwell of the Continental Army. Colonel Burwell. You all know why I'm here. I'm not an orator. And I would not try to convince you of the worthiness of our cause. I'm a soldier. And we are at war. From Philadelphia, we expect a declaration of independence. Eight of the 13 colonies have levied money in support of a continental army. I ask that South Carolina be the ninth. Massachusetts and Virginia may be at war, but South Carolina is not. Hear, hear. This is not a war for the independence of one or two colonies, but for the independence of one nation. And, uh, yes, what nation is that? An American nation. There is no such nation, and to speak of one is treason. We are citizens of an American nation, and our rights are being threatened by a tyrant 3,000 miles away. Would you tell me, please, Mr. Howard, why should I trade one tyrant 3,000 miles away for 3,000 tyrants one mile away? <laughs> An elected legislature can trample a man's rights as easily as a king can. Captain Martin, I understood you to be a patriot. If you mean by patriot, am I angry about taxation without representation? Well, yes, I am. Should the American colonies govern themselves independently? I believe they can, and they should. But if you're asking me, am I willing to go to war with England... Well, then the answer is most definitely no. This from the same Captain Benjamin Martin, whose fury was so famous during the wilderness campaign. I was intemperate in my youth. Temperance can be a convenient disguise for fear. Mr. Middleton, I fought with Captain Martin under Washington in the French and Indian War. There's not a man in this room or anywhere for that matter, to whom I would more willingly trust my life. Here, here. There are alternatives to war. We take our case before the king. We plead with him. Yes, we've tried that. Well, then we try again and again, if necessary, to avoid a war. Benjamin, I was at Bunker Hill. The British advanced three times, and we killed over 700 of them at point-blank range, and still they took the ground. That is the measure of their resolve. If your principles dictate independence, then war is the only way. It has come to that. General Washington still awaits our reply to the problem of re-enlistments. The king will see you. Now he respectfully suggests that a salary be granted our soldiers commensurate with their sacrifice. But he has no money on hand to pay them. Tents, soap, shoes and blankets are also greatly wanted. The army recently took shipment of 50 crates of rifles, all without the flints required to shoot them. The proclamation by King George III. Many of our subjects, misled by a desperate conspiracy of dangerous and ill-designing men have forgotten the allegiance which they owe to the power that has protected and supported them and have declared rebellion 
and traitorously levied war against us. It is the better part of wisdom to put a speedy end to such disorders. We have thought fit to issue our royal proclamation that all our royal officers, both civil and military, are obliged to suppress such rebellion and bring the traitors to justice. When the unhappy and deluded multitude, against whom this force shall be directed, shall become sensible of their error, I shall be ready to receive the misled with tenderness and mercy. For those who persist in their treason, for those who persist in their treason, the punishment shall be death by hanging. Given in Parliament this 26th day of October in the year 1775. God save the King. God. God bless the king. Who else could have brought such a spirit of unity to this Congress? <laughs> we will now all hang together, or most assuredly, we will all hang separately. The question is no longer whether there shall be independence, but when. If we force a decision too soon, we may reap disaster. Independence without unanimity means nothing. I'm in complete agreement, Doctor. I will leave immediately. The Virginia Convention must free us to act. All 13 clocks must strike at the same second. I don't know we had a meeting scheduled today, support. I didn't either. I think we should talk, Gordon. Would you gentlemen excuse us for a second, please? Won't you come this way, Jen? Thank you, Alex. What the hell do you want? I just found out about the garage sale down at Blue Star. Why? Last night I was reading Rudy the story of Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Pot. You know what happened. Stuck his nose in the pot once too often, and uh, he got stuck. Maybe you ought to read him Pinocchio, Gordon. <laughs> I thought that you were going to turn Blue Star around, not upside down. You fucking used me. Well, you're walking around blind without a cane, pal. The fool and his money are lucky enough to get together in the first place. But why do you need to wreck this company? Because it's wreckable, all right? I took another look at it and I changed my mind. If these people lose their jobs, they got nowhere to go. My father has worked there for 24 years. I gave him my word. It's all about bucks, kid. The rest is conversation. Hey, buddy, you're still going to be president, all right? And when the time comes, you're going to parachute out a rich man. With the money you're going to make, your dad's never going to have to work another day in his life. So tell me, Gordon, when does it all end, huh? How many yachts can you water ski behind? How much is enough? It's not a question of enough, pal. It's a zero-sum game. Somebody wins, somebody loses. Money itself isn't lost or made. It's simply uh, transferred from one perception to another. Like magic. This painting here, I bought it 10 years ago for $60,000. I could sell it today for six hundred. The illusion has become real. And the more real it becomes, 
the more desperate they want it. Capitalism at its finest. How much is enough for them? The richest 1% of this country owns half our country's wealth, $5 trillion. One third of that comes from hard work, two thirds comes from an inheritance, interest on interest accumulating to widows and idiot sons, and what I do, stock and real estate speculation. It's bullshit. You got 90% of the American public out there with little or no net worth. I create nothing. I own. We make the rules, pal. The news, war, peace, famine, upheaval, the price of a paperclip. We pick that rabbit out of the hat while everybody sits out there wondering how the hell we did it. Now, you're not naive enough to think we're living in a democracy, are you, buddy? I guess this is just another lost cause, Mr. Payne. All you people don't know about lost causes. Mr. Payne does. He said once they were the only causes worth fighting for. And he fought for them once. For the only reason any man ever fights for them. Just one plain, simple rule. Love thy neighbor. And in this world today, full of hatred, a man who knows that one rule has a great trust. You know that rule, Mr. Payne. And I loved you for it just as my father did. And you know that you fight for the lost causes harder than for any others. Yes, you even die for them. Like a man we both knew, Mr. Payne. You think I'm licked. You all think I'm licked. Well, I'm not licked. And I'm gonna stay right here and fight for this lost cause. Even if this room gets filled with lies like these. And the tailors and all their armies come marching into this place. Somebody will listen to me. So, I hope everybody... Um uh, enjoyed those uh, particular uh, bits from uh, The Patriot, uh, John Adams, Wall Street, and uh, Tucker and His Dream. I think those are representative of uh, various aspects of the point we're at in this country uh, from different perspectives, different concepts and things that are going on. Obviously, we know we have a border crisis, we have a spending crisis, we have a military spending, money laundering, corruption crisis. Um, found out, I mean, not the, it wasn't new news today that uh, you have uh, 17 or 18 uh, traitors on the Republican side. And um, oh, by the way, let's... The Republicans are, are what they are. They're weak and uh, spineless and globalist in many cases. But let's not forget, the Democrats have been voting unanim unanimously in all aspects of all these uh, different bills going back to 2021. They're not, they don't represent the United States at all. Um, their Senate votes lockstep. Uh, the Democratic uh, Conference and the, uh, on the 
uh, House side votes in lockstep. So let's not just ignore that little piece of the the equation. They're all on the same. They're always on the same page, and it's always against the United States. Every district that they represent, whether the people there are being represented correctly or fairly, or the people there have changed their minds about these people, or even know what they vote on, um, they're they're a um, communist block that uh, has sought to undermine our law. Um, obviously, they're you know completely aligned with uh, the dementia patient that is Joe Biden, and so let's not forget that in respect to the other things that the Republicans aren't doing, which is they've been handing Biden and his administration. Uh, victory after victory after victory, spending money, uh, allowing this border thing to go on. Can't even impeach uh, Mayorkas, who has done a wholesale abandonment of the border. His you know, position as um, Department of Homeland Security Secretary. And I'm trying to be calm and rational in um, saying this stuff. Because I may have had my fill, like many of you have, of of uh, you're tired, your patience is worn thin, and that's the that's the whole point of this is this demoralization path that they put us on. They don't want us to fight. They don't want us to to uh, stick up for ourselves. They want us to just concede the concede the point, concede the battle, concede the country to them, and let them run it right into the ground. They're replacing us. I, I've mentioned this over and over again. It's a nuance of the Curly effect, which is something, it was a policy that was put in in Boston by a mayor. The idea was to take the constituency that actually is providing resources, is providing the tax base, but they want things. They want uh, good governance. They want good policy. And... Uh, Curly, this uh, mayor at the time, and he ran Boston from like nineteen early nineteen hundreds to about nineteen fifty at various levels, various degrees. He insta- he he chose the 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 opposite side. He so he chose uh, the the derelicts. He chose the people that weren't uh, in good positions, and he bought them off. And then he instituted horrible policies, and he chased out the other. He chased out the people he couldn't please because they wanted good policy. And then he isn't the only one. A guy named Coleman Young, who used to run uh, Detroit, did the same thing. It was racially, that was racially d- divisive. Um, uh, Curley's was more uh, religiously uh, Catholics and Protestants. And I'm not going to get it. I, I, I don't remember all the history behind it. But I've seen the policy, the paper, and, and the concept is just... Uh, you just pick and choose. It's divide and rule. So you find the, the populace that you're willing to uh, most uh, do or work with in order to achieve a, a super majority or a uh, plurality of votes. And it, uh, you lock in a system. You lock in your machine politics. And the people that are actually uh, most impacted are the people who are the ones who are doing essentially the be- the better 
uh, middle class or the people who want sane policies and regarding to schools and law enforcement and the whole uh, plethora of things that go along with good governance. It's the anti-good governance, but it achieves the ends ends of the political regime, which is uh, they maintain power and they create cult of personality and they create the all these emotional um, uh, propaganda propagandistic um, methods to keep keep people under their thumb and it's worked it's going on right now in the United States it's been going on for a very long time all these major metropolitan areas have been destroyed by um, uh, democratic policies and there's a there's people that are putting up all these videos out on uh, Twitter in particular showing what these cities look like back in the 40s and 50s and 60s or the 1930s and 20 you see the populations how they look they're thin they're healthy they're dressed well they're uh, socially uh, <clears throat> they look happy and not frazzled and they look content and they drive cars i mean this is just these are short clips of course they're not you know, in any great detail, like, you know, a minute and a half. But it shows an orderly society. We had that in this country. We had all kinds of things in this country that used to work right. Um, but we always saw, also always had a undercurrent of corruption and uh, mafia tactics. But people would rise above that because people still had the the belief in the country and the belief in the ideals of the American uh, the U.S. Constitution, the American um, idea of uh, individuality, individual work, labor, toil, uh, that you get out what you put into a situation. It's based upon hard work, uh, based upon uh, thriftiness, based upon um, uh, not so much a religious spirituality. Everybody likes to call it Protestantism and and whatnot. No, I, I, I want to get beyond that. I think it's more of a, a, res- a healthy respect for your mortality and a healthy respect for the fact that you don't control everything. You're not God. You do the best you can. You're supposed to have a certain amount of, I don't know, a, a respect for God, not a fear. That's 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 not what it's all supposed to be about. Hold on a second here. Sorry there, I just had to kind of interrupt it for a second. So, so yeah, uh, it's not fear-based. It's just a respect for uh, one's abilities and one's uh, limitations and one's um, idea that we're supposed to have ethics and a moral center and treat your kids well and also teach them what it is to work for a living, what, it's, what the value of, uh, of a hard day's work is. Uh, what the value of uh, working towards achievement and entrepreneurship and and building a future and all the things that are supposed to come along with that and not being beholden to people and outside forces that you uh, you know you shouldn't give up your uh, liberties and security uh, to people who will then use that to control you and up until a certain point in our country whether you you know, everybody, 1913, the Federal Reserve, um, but mainly the bankers uh, being able to manipulate currency, interest rates, print money, uh, decouple from gold, 
whether it's 1933 with uh, FDR making it so that it was uh, against uh, against the law to basically hold gold to a certain degree, and also uh, without a, a, a there was a certain amount and you can hold like gold bars or whatnot. And then 1971, we went off the gold standard, and then we just the my entire lifetime. I was born in 72, so I'm not. Uh, too uh, insubstantially uh, I'm not too young or not too old per se but my entire life we've been off the gold standard and for the most part at least uh, I mean I can remember I I can true story I can remember uh, being aware of the U.S. deficit as early as like 1982 1983 I can remember a 7th grade social studies what, what was called social studies class um, uh, having to do a paper, and I remember doing it with a couple other guys. We were a group project. We were supposed to put together some, and we started looking up all these quotes and stuff like this. And it was all about criticism of Reagan. I mean, the one guy in our group was far left. I hate to say it. He was, you know, his family brought his uh, was uh, shaping his viewpoints on things. I was a little bit more um, middle of the road. Uh, probably Democrat or a conservative, what would be considered a conservative Democrat. And those things don't exist anymore. But at that, that was at that time. That was in 1983, and I was all of 11 years old, so or 11 and 12 years old in 84. What I'm getting at is, is that, you know, over the course of our <clears throat> uh, recent, uh, recent uh, governmental uh, shifts, we have uh, lost the value of a dollar, We've lost the value of our, you know, people can use the same amount of time. You're not getting paid for it. Inflation. You have these uh, senators and congressmen who are throwing, you know, $100 billion at Ukraine and, and um, you know, uh, Israel and Taiwan. And they're, they did the bait and switch with the border. Uh, they decided to have a Sunday night meeting, which is uh, another thing, doing it under cover of darkness uh, while the Super Bowl was going on. They were doing, they were scheming and putting together or plotting, and they'll, they'll say otherwise, but that's wrong because these people don't work on weekends. They were hell-bent on it because they got to get out of town by, I think, the 16th. Uh, they go on a 10-day break, and they're going to go out of town, and they're going to go to Munich and I go to a security uh, conference, so they want to have all this. They they obviously have somebody else to please because why should they give a shit? You know what I'm saying? They they're hell bent on having this deal put together so that they can travel over to Munich, talk to their European pinheads, and tell them what they need to know uh, and keep them informed. Plus, they built a poison pill into this bill so that the next president whomever that happens to be, in particular Trump, can't make uh, make his own negotiation. He can't negotiate for out of a, a into a peace deal because they have put in triggers or put in landmines to make sure this bill was, uh, <clears throat> if he stops the flow of it, because uh, that happened in 2019, which goes to the point of we have people that they are trying to take the presidency down to merely a functionary position uh, that everything will be cons- uh, uh, basically controlled through a parliamentary. It's it's a it's a European model. They're trying to just destroy the Constitution completely. They don't even want anybody to know about the Constitution. Plus, if they bring in all these new uh, 
the replacements. Those people don't know anything about the Constitution, and they they perverted and distorted and used their socialist judges and their activist judges who uh, will uh, uh, have uh, shown their pulled off the mask and showed their true colors. It's certainly at the um, in Washington D.C. in the Southern District of Columbia, or Southern District Southern District of New York, and all these other uh, courts, especially out in California and whatnot. That's the Ninth District uh, at the Circuit Court of Appeals level. So uh, these are these are radicals. They're communists. They're just communists. They don't believe in. They don't believe in Second Amendment rights. They don't believe in freedom of speech. They don't believe in. They don't believe in uh, people having property, especially if they're of a certain uh, skin color. And we're not talking about black people. We're talking about white. They're trying to destroy every last vestige. And they've been at this, and the media insists upon this, and the media is assisting because the media is controlled by intelligence, by the intelligence agencies. And the intelligence agencies are controlling social media and the legacy media. They, If they can control the information, they can control you because most people are not going to think very hard or long or about any, about any of this stuff, and they'll... Whatever they're fed in terms of whether it be a total lie or half-truth or whatever the case may be about anybody and anything, you know, we know this has been going on. And they'll keep that up because that's what they're paid to do. So that's why I don't even watch any. I don't know, normally don't even turn on the TV set to watch any mainstream media ever because I, I just i am not going to waste my uh, time on their uh, lies. I may read an article online from one of these uh, propagandist out- outlets, but it's mainly because <clears throat> it, um, it, gives, it can give you some insight. It's, it's a lot easier to double-check with uh, words than to constantly have to pick and choose through uh, a broadcast that's mainly just propaganda or, or opinion pieces or opinion people that are just on air to say whatever's on their mind. So, you know, kind of like what I'm doing right now. And, um, you know, this whole Senate bill isn't just, I mean, this is one of many. I mean, my representative, uh, Todd Young, has uh, voted consistently. He's a de- He votes consistently with the Democrats. He's assisted Biden in his uh, trillion dollars that he, the Inflation Reduction Act and all the other spending bills. And for the most part, any time the, the Republicans have Voted. There's usually anywhere between 15 and 18 of them that consistently vote with the Democrats when when or if it's tied to any kind of spending, significant spending, and they always vote for it. And they don't care about the budget. And they don't care about you know <laughs> deficits or the debt or anything of that regard. It doesn't matter to them. They've been told that it's okay. I don't know if they. I, I don't think they're that delusional. These, some of these people have uh, enough bona fides to to make you think otherwise. But uh, getting back to some of the other stuff earlier in this um, uh, broadcast, you know, the idea of uh, what is it that we're willing to what is it we're willing to sacrifice? When does it seem like it's a lost cause? And you risk the most for your lost causes. And um, I can 
I know that from my own personal experience, and I'm not trying to uh, uh, pull at the emotional side of this, but uh, yes, um, when I found out my mother had terminal cancer, and that was, you know, in um, November, um, it was actually right before Thanksgiving, it was literally just a few days before, and she had emergency brain surgery, the day before on a Wednesday, um, they 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 told me that she didn't have much long much longer. They said maybe a year or nine months or something like that because it was all over her body. But there was a pressing need for uh, there was a mass on her brain stem and uh, it's about the size of a quarter. And they they said they had to remove it and they did that. And uh, she lasted uh, through the next year middle of next year and i didn't give up on her i took her to i got her uh, uh radiation treatment at uic uh she had care at uh, the veterans administration granted i think they were substantially liable for her or at least i think they they did her a grave disservice but that was a fight between an oncologist and a surgeon so uh, but that's a long story. But what I'm getting at is my, she got various treatments and care from multitudes, <laughs> a significant number of, uh, of um, physicians. And we went out to Loyola. Um, yeah. She, uh, I gave her every, every opportunity and every potentiality to even... Um, to try to uh, arrest her uh, her cancer, but it had spread too far and too fast, and uh, it, up until the last three weeks of her life, she was with me, and then she was at the the hospice that was just a, a disaster. I would recommend hospice care for anybody if you have the ability or capability to um, manage somebody. Um, or share management. When I say manage somebody you care about full time, twenty four seven, to the last days, which that goes to the way our uh, founders and the way our uh, you know our, our ancestors had to had to provide that service. They didn't have the luxury of you know thousands of hospitals in the United States. Granted, those situations have become different just through COVID and how we think about those people. Um, and I would say you should avoid them as much as you can. If you can fix your health problems, you should do it yourself as best you can. But uh, what I'm getting at is you uh, you have to take everything upon yourself and uh, you need to find like-minded individuals and we need to uh, come together in a way that has not been done in 250 years. Uh, people will see that as, or see or listen to that and take that for what that is. That's up to you. Uh, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying I think that's going to have to be done in order to um, make it. If we're going to save this republic, um, that's going to be the necessary route because you have no leadership. 
They hate your guts. Um, they're still passing. There's people like Marsha Blackburn who's working with Richard Blumenthal that I just saw. She's working on this uh, uh, Kids Online Act, which is just another authoritarian push to censor. These people truly despise you. They're all narcissists. These people, for whatever reason, they've you know I think they've internalized way too much of what's been said about them, and they want revenge, and they don't give a shit how they get it, and they really need a they need a, a reality check, and I don't think any of them are really prepared for that because narcissists are never never really prepared for catastrophic reality checks. Instead, they just they'll just ignore it and just move on to whatever the next plan on their item on their list or agenda on their list is and they don't speak for us anymore they're class conscious they prefer the people in washington dc there was a example tonight i was i'd seen it before with uh, john stewart was talking to uh, a gal who's uh her name's kathleen hicks so she's the undersecretary to Lloyd Austin. Lloyd Austin looks like he's on his way out. What could do to his, um, I think he has cancer, prostate cancer, or some kind of cancer. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, he may not make it. Or he may just have to uh, call it a wrap. Which, you know, given this circumstance, he probably, probably should go ahead and do that. But this is the gal that may be uh, brought up for uh, confirmation to take over his spot. And she's a condescending, unqualified gal who has no business in the position she's in. She may be very smart. She's got a PhD from MIT. Uh, she hang, she worked with uh, Hunter Biden at the Center for uh, Study of uh, CSIS. It's like International Security or something like that. It's a it's a think tank. Um, and then the Truman Policy Center, which is another left-winger outlet for all kinds of reasons. But Hunter's aware of her existence. He didn't have any uh, direct email contact with her, but he, he does. He is aware of her existence, and Biden obviously hired her. So, and she worked in the Obama administration. So go figure. It's not you know, she's a she's one of those pointy heads and. She was condescending towards John Stewart about audits and the DOD's lack of ability to pass an audit, and and was like so uh, you know kind of glib and and uh, basically was trying to sabotage his questioning by saying he's misinformed, doesn't understand audits, making it about I mean total deflection, nothing nothing substantive nothing uh, and when he asked even like a question about uh, well why is it that we spend all this money and yet we have people that are in the military who can't get themselves fed or can't uh, do this and that and it is low paying if you're an enlisted person uh, you have to get a lot of BAQ and BA, um, BAQ is like your barracks allowance and stuff like that to make it or to struggle through in a, like a hazardous duty pay and stuff like that. I mean, depending upon if you're deployed, you have to be deployed in order to make some of that stuff. But in in, in her mindset and the way she presented it, and she thought it was just all about just throwing some money at the problem. But we have no idea what she was what she was spouting off about. She she was very thin on details in this little six minute segment. She just she just comes off as just the the type of person you wouldn't want to run anything. 
um, in the private sector, you would just you would just say, well, <laughs> not only don't you answer my question, you actually are very confrontational about something that you should be very worried about. You should come with answers, but that's not what these people do, especially in government. We have people that they do not answer questions. They, they think that they're beyond that. And whatever's going on in their little mind, it has nothing to do with actually doing something beneficial for the country. It's almost like uh, the, the little segment there with uh, uh, that's supposed to be Alexander Hamilton. And, you know, if men be angels, where he's just sitting there and, uh, you know, Jefferson is uh, questioning, you know, why anybody would want to go through. Why would, why would I want to be in hock to a, a London uh, banker? And, uh, you know, and uh, Hamilton doesn't have a good answer. He just, you know, you know, throws out a quip to, you know, get him off, get him off his back. And then John Adams comes in and, you know, says some things that sound good. And then he pisses off George Washington. You don't really get that in that clip. But George Washington in the clip and the visual, he was, uh, he had his tensions with John Adams. And John Adams was um, a bit too... uh, you know, eager, and he was also, I think he felt like a, he, he wound up being uh, like a third, fourth, or fifth fiddle in most of these uh, conversations, and and that's the reason why he became probably wasn't quite the uh, second president that we would have wanted, but and nevertheless, he, 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 he was not a, I think he was a a solid person, but sometimes, you know, that can be used to used to your disadvantage, but anyways, um, now we don't even we the talk about people in that regard versus the people that we have now is like talking about angels versus uh, the demons that we have running this country now. They're just demons. They have no they have no ability to relate to us in any way, shape, or form. They're class conscious. That's been thrown around uh, like communists. They just they they've divorced themselves from their position. They've just risen to a level, and there's so many of them. Not only at the federal level, but at the state level, they just they they look down on people. They get such huge amounts of the huge paychecks and kickbacks and corruption, and it's all a game for them. And they know that there's no accountability. There's no nobody can be held to account. But it's interesting, saying all that, that they've decided that Trump has to be uh, their enemy. He's their internal enemy, while Putin is the external enemy. So they, if you haven't noticed that, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make sure that we are under attack from you know, the MAGA movement, the people here, and anybody who so much as thinks of uh, Trump in a, a rational light that isn't to say he's perfect because he ain't it has nothing to do with that but comparatively speaking to the rest of the assholes that we've put in this office called the presidency you know <laughs> what has he done that's so significantly different from them and what the thing is they just don't like his mouth because they're afraid they're scared shitless of this guy tearing down or tearing apart their deals that they already have in place they've loved they've they've uh, ran this thing for so long the way they've run it and they're afraid that he can wreck it and he know they know he can because 
if he's actually the president under the constitutional edicts that are in place, he has a significant enough amount of power, especially on the international stage, to destroy all their plans. And they know that, especially if he has the backing of the will of the people and that the will of the people uh, somehow manages to get people in place in the Congress and the Senate and even in the agencies, which need to be destructed as much as possible. And all our international treaties need to be redone. And we shouldn't have the WHO or the UN or any of that shit going on. We should decouple from that completely, kick them off U.S. soil. The UN can, you can do that in a weekend. Say you, you're done. Get off the soil. Get off, get, get off U.S. lands. All the contracts that we've made with foreign bodies, all foreign, I don't care who they are. You pay, give them your money back and then you, you take the land back. And then you release it, re-release it back to the public for uh, American citizens. We don't need foreigners owning our land. We don't need them owning one iota of this land. Sorry, I just uh, that's the way I feel because we have to. I mean, and that's radical, but that's that's another aspect of this uh, that we don't discuss enough. We need to take seize back our sovereignty, and sovereignty comes from land resources. The ability to control international policies that we're involved in. People call it isolation. And I saw, I listened to a space tonight, and I'll end it here on this little uh, tidbit. So I was listening to this space, and they were uh, discussing Ukraine. And the guy was like, Well, it's all well and good if the United States doesn't want to be involved with Ukraine, but if you want to go back to this isolationist pot, these are globalists. These people just, they don't understand. They're like, if you want to be an isolationist, you're, you're, you're going to cut yourself off and everything. You know what? Everybody threatens that idea that somehow we're going to miss out on something or because we're not going to be world policing, that we're going to somehow uh, undermine our, our own abilities to do things. Sure, there's going, to be, there's going to be hardships. There's going to be things that people are going to have to get used to, like not having very, there's like, oh, you know, you won't get all these cheap products. Fine. We don't need the consumerism. We need to come up with more entrepreneurialism and we need to make our own stuff and we need to use our own resources and we need to use our own intellect and we need to be self-sufficient and we need to stay away from all these entanglements. That's what our founding fathers laid out. They said, stay the hell out of Europe, stay the hell out of other people's business, make the country great. And they weren't wrong. They haven't been wrong. Were they wrong about slavery? Well, yeah. You can throw that at them. Or you can keep on throwing that at them all you want. But slavery's been around forever and ever and ever. And it still is around if you really get down to it. Though nobody really wants to hear it that way. Whether, you, whether it's overt slavery, which is going on in Africa still... Uh, on they have slave markets and they're selling people. We tra- we're trafficking people in the United States for fuck's sake. Or the subtle debt slavery, which is everybody's uh, uh, problem. You know, everybody that's not a rich person. Let's just put it that way. You know, we're all entrapped by uh, debt instruments that are going to have to disappear too. We're going to have to go through a massive, massive change. But we did this before, 
it can be done. We went from an Articles of Confederation situation to a U.S. Constitution. Uh, we went through a debt process or uh, uh, um, taking control of our country's resources and initiatives. And I'm not going to argue with people. I would never argue with these people about who deserves and this reparation stuff. That's just bad people that are communists. And honestly, push comes to shove. The people that keep on being antagonistic towards this country, you can say it's real simple. Either, either get with the program or you leave. You can take your passport and carry your ass somewhere else. If you don't like it here, we're not going to put up with your bullshit anymore. And I mean, man, it sounds sounds crass and unfair, but I was told that one time. This was back fifteen, was almost fifteen, twenty years ago. The guy said I should expatriate. He said that to me. This was like two thousand four. Two, I was was in a mood. Let's just say this: I was in a bad mood, and he mentioned that. And I wasn't really all that familiar. I, you know, like anything else, you, if you don't use that term on a regular basis, expatriation. In other words, move to another country, get the hell out of here. And that's that's the way we need to start feeling about these people. If you don't like it, if you want this, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's like, no, we're not going to give you anything. Shut up about it. If you don't like it, leave. We're not going to put up with your antagonism anymore. See, our, our founders didn't do that either. They didn't put up with that shit. And they weren't the only ones that didn't put up with it. A hundred years ago, people didn't put up with that kind of crap. Uh, you know, people were of a different stock. And maybe maybe the liberals and certain uh, aspects of our society can't put up with that. Well, that's just too bad, too. Um, they, they better get with the program because uh, <laughs> they're about ready to lose a lot more than anything I'm even mentioning. And they don't even know it. They're going to lose all their ability to do the things that they want to do. And they're going to go, what happened? Well, they haven't been paying attention. And they don't care to. They've been fed lots of lies and propaganda. And they believe all the media tells them. So they're going to learn the hard way. So I'm going to end it there for now. Um, I've rambled on for (laughs) quite a bit here. Um, I guess God bless you all. You're going to have to uh, fight on, and somehow, some way, we're going to have to take what may seem as a lost cause and somehow make it through and uh, save this republic. And we're at that crux, we're at that time point in the history where um, that's going to fall upon us to do it. Doesn't matter if you're young or old. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. But it'll probably be more likely that you're poor because we've come to a point where the people who run our country are much like King George, uh, much like an aristocracy that does not listen, does not care to listen, does not understand um, the people, and moreover, steals everybody blind and doesn't want to listen so and we need to choose different leaders and I'm not, not only we need to get far afield from the ones that are even on the ballot as they are right now we need to get to a much more uh, vibrant leader somebody who's not only well spoken but also is positioned when I say positioned 
their positioning is based upon their own self-sufficiency. They made them self-made. They made their own business. They uh, employed the right people. And by right people, I mean they employed the people locally. They didn't go looking for international hustles. They built a strong, you know, segment of our society based upon uh, staying at home and figuring how to, uh, figuring out to make things work. You know, build a build a company from scratch. That's what I'm looking for. That's part of the reason why I included the entrepreneurial part of this, and also the downside of that when you have the Wall Street hustlers. Anyways, God bless you all. God bless the United States of America, and God save the world.